Well, hello there and welcome back to my little corner of the digital universe. Prepare to get real, get close, dive deep, and find out entirely too much about people you likely, well, I don't know, maybe you know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable, because here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. I really uh, departed greatly from my typical intro. So for those of you guys who listen all the time, you're like, what is he doing? Uh, and it's just, you know, because I'm in a, I don't know, I came in in a rush today. My guest today, I've known for many years, Stephanie Matthews. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Awesome. So Stephanie doesn't like her voice. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> how I hear it back. All right. So you want me to, I can just turn you down completely. I'm not doing that because you won't hear me. No, I got to talk. I got to have something to say. Yeah. And this is something you're going to have to get over because why? Because you, you're going to start a podcast here like in a week mm-hmm. or yes. so. Yes, I know. I got to get used to it. That's right. So uh, we had Lori on two episodes ago from this one, mm-hmm. whenever that airs. Um, I guess it's already the, the one with Lori's out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I listened so, to it last night. It was great. So I, in the description, I put the name of your podcast and I put better together and i thought oh i don't remember whose name's first it doesn't matter <laughs> i i think i put yours first stephanie and Lori, oh, or Lori, Lori. and stephanie whichever whichever goes i don't really know <laughs> so it will be better together with uh your your two names mm-hmm. well l comes before s so right maybe that's, that's typically what i do yeah uh unless unless my name is last and then i just say Switch well it. we put the other one mm-hmm. <laughs> just to make sure right yeah so uh, so tell me a little bit about, we're, we're going to get into, well, I don't know what we're getting into because it's a conversation, but I would like to know about this podcast. Tell me a little bit about how you started thinking about getting into this and, uh, you know, yeah. How'd you start thinking about it? Well, I love listening to podcasts for number one. I, that's what I listen to. I really don't listen to the radio anymore. Um, I try always try to find a good pod, podcast to listen to and, um, then I reconnected, you know, I've known Lori since high school and I just love her to death and we reconnected uh, recently and, um, she was like, I really want to do a podcast. And I was like, well then let's do it. Let's go. And I didn't think she would really want to do it because I, <laughs> I really want to do it, but it's one of those things you're just like, mm, I'm not real sure about that, but I love podcasts so much and she does and we listen to them all the time. I'm just like, let's do it. Let's go for it. Yeah. So what's, what's your favorite podcast right now or favorite like two or three? Oh, I knew you were going to say that to me, but I, I'm really on uh, pa- pastors podcast right mm. now. So I like certain um, pastors. That's who I'm listening to really right now. Gotcha. Um, and then I've started listening to you and to Aww. Rachel and so, yeah, I'm starting to branch out to other things, but, you know, I always want to get um, some spiritual contact, uh, context. And mine's definitely not spiritual, right? Y- yes, no, no it is. <laughs> I know kidding. you're a good person. Oh, see, I've got you snowed. Yeah. So, um, so the main question, so when you guys want to, you talked about doing a podcast, what are you, mm-hmm. what are you, uh, what is it about podcasts you really love? Like, what have you found yourself identifying with and and taken away from I just uh, Lori and Lori is such a sweet sweet girl and I think she's so encouraging and I want to encourage people um I just think the way the world is right now it's so negative yeah and everybody is just looking for the bad instead of looking for the good Mm. and um that's what I want to do. I just want us to put some stuff out there that's good, encouraging, uplifting, that's really going to help people and help help others grow and, and know that life is not going to be perfect. We are not perfect. I don't have it all together, but I, I get up and I keep going and I keep moving. And, you know, we just, you know, you have ups and downs and that's just, that's just life. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that really, uh, inspired me to, I don't know, I shouldn't say inspired me because I really feel led by God to do what we're doing. So that really is what inspired me. But mm-hmm. when I started looking at some of the values and the way that we do the podcast, where we, you know, almost all of the podcasts that are on the Stream Grace Network are people talking with other people. Mm-hmm. Very few monologues. In fact, no monologues except for the once in a while. <clears throat> and what I've found in that is 
how many times I've been in a group of maybe three or four and we're sitting in a restaurant and somebody asks me a question or I ask somebody a question and it gets really deep, really quick. Mm-hmm. And then you have these other people that are just listening and, and how much they glean from some of those conversations. Sometimes I'm the guy just listening, you mm-hmm. know, it just depends on the content. And I know very, like a lot of people find it very hard to believe that I'm the guy that just listens at any point, but <laughs> it is true. It does happen. Um, I've got video if you want to find it out, but anyway, um, but I think, you know, I, I started seeing that and thinking through the reality of being able to answer someone's question without them asking the question. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it is providing, I think a, a, a bigger depth when we, people are just going to church to get their kind of spiritual hit. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when they do that and they're, they're gaining, they're hearing this information at very one sided. Right. So the pastor's preaching and, um, there'll be plenty of good things, but, but if a person's engaged, if it was a conversation, they would jump in and mm-hmm. they would say something to contribute. And that pastor may, if it was a conversation would maybe say, well, I see what you're saying, but I don't think you fully understand where I'm coming from. Like there'd be a point of clarification. Mm-hmm. None of that happens in a monologue. Right. Um, it may not just be a point of clarification. It may just be a disagreement. I don't know if I agree with you and here's why. Well, let's dive deeper. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So you, you have that opportunity. And when we sit down here and talk like this, it's it's constantly that way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think and believe that people will, in the long run, this platform, this format um, will really provide a superior um, growth in Christendom, mm-hmm. um, because of the interaction, because it's dialogue and not monologue. Right. So, you know, that's, it is my belief. So of course I'm moved towards it. Um, but I think we're seeing the fruit bear that out, mm-hmm. you know, even in my own life. So, you know, this is one of our studios for the network. And when I'm not on a podcast, we do have podcasters coming in like yourself who would just record. Um, and, when they do, I'm here listening to their show. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting a ton of content each week. And sometimes I'm like, man, that's good. And sometimes I'm like totally disagree with that. <laughs> and I, you know, I'll get into a conversation afterwards or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great thing and I'm excited for you to do it because, uh, I've mentioned a couple of our mutual friends that you're, you're jumping on and they're like, Oh, she'll be great at that. So <laughs> it's going to be exciting. I'm a little nervous of what I'm going to say. I was praying, God, please, please let me not say anything that I'm not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> But I want to be real. I want it to be real. I want people to, to, you know, know where I'm coming from, know where Lori's coming from, and that we are real people that you can talk and that we can grow and learn from each other. Yeah. Because I, I don't have it all together. I promise you that. Come on. <laughs> I do not. No? I Every day I'm like, oh God, I made, I made this mistake. I did this. But, you know, I just keep moving forward and mm-hmm. keep and keep trying to do better each day. Well, you know, I think that's another thing. When we talk about those shortcomings, we talk about our failures. I think that helps people a tremendous amount as well. I do too. I do too. And I appreciate when people, you know, um, talk to me and share with me about their struggles and, and I want to help them if I can. Um, I know I can help some people. I know I can't help every single person, but I do know that I can help some people and I can encourage some people. And, and that's what I want to do. Yeah. The other thing I've found about podcasting, and this is for anybody who's out there and they're thinking, you know what? I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know. I'd like to do a podcast. Maybe not. So our, our most expensive option, so to speak for podcasting, um, is still about 50% of what it costs to go to see a therapist. And I can attest Yes. That it is great therapy. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. And it's, yeah, you don't have, you can go podcast. You can listen on your time. You don't have to have a schedule, right. you know, you can get it in when you can. And it's just, it's convenient. Yeah. Well, and recording one, I think that's just like, if I want to sit down and, um, if I really need to talk about my stuff, I'm just going to call a buddy or, or somebody who's in, uh, the therapy world and say, Hey, you want to come be on the podcast? And then we're going to talk about my problems. <laughs> we're just going to hear it out. Yeah, yeah. But, but honestly, and I think that's the thing we, you know, we've seen huge growth in podcasting in the last year and, mm-hmm. and a lot of that's due to COVID, but it's the number of podcasts, uh, have more than double. But another thing that's happened is you, you can go back and look and see, like, for example, Rachel's podcast is called my brutal life. So I just typed in brutal today on Apple podcasts. There's three other podcasts that our brutal life mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, two of them, not hers, but the other two, they haven't recorded a podcast since like November of last year. 
Oh, or before. So this is another thing that's happening is you have all these podcasts, but they're not as active. And so our, you know, our main thing on the network, we try to get out there at least once a week. I'm coming back from a hiatus, but, right. um, but in general, that's the goal. And I think that's important too, is staying current and people connecting that way. But it is, it, people are finding that this is one of the best ways to really connect with others and get some insight. I mean, if a person wanted to know me, like mm-hmm. really know me, mm-hmm. you listen to, this podcast and spiritually wounded podcast, you're going to know me very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of a cool reality. Yeah, I do too. You know, cause we just don't have time to always get with everybody, even when we want to. Well, people take me the wrong way sometimes. And I've had people come up to me and be like, you know what? I didn't like you at first, <laughs> but now I love you. And I, I love it when people do that. It's I, I'm not trying to not be likable or not be approachable, but I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like straight into the point, you know, yeah. and um, some people I know I rub some people the wrong way. And I'm not like a girly girl. I'm, I'm really not. I'm pretty black and white. I have some gray, but I'm pretty black and white. And I but don't, you color the gray out, right? I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just think people take me the wrong way and, yeah. and I don't know how to really fix that. I love everybody. I don't have a problem with people. I know people have problems with me, but <laughs> I don't have a problem with people. Well, I didn't like you for the longest time, but it's because I was friends with Cole <laughs> and you know, I have to take your husband's side. <laughs> Well, I love Cole. No, Cole, I'm just messing with Cole you. is a great husband. I Cole's am, awesome. I am very blessed. Yeah, yeah. He's a great dude. He is a great, great husband. Well, and that is, this will, this will be good because it will provide that kind of platform. And and in fact, today, now, this is what I want to kind of get into, is I want to dive into who Stephanie is, not mm-hmm. just the, Stephanie, the real estate agent, and Steph, yeah. you know, but or Tanner's mom. You mm-hmm. ever, you know, that yeah, one's Tanner's fun. Mom, Speaking yeah. of, my gosh, that guy. Yeah. He's like a million feet tall. Yes. He's, I know. He's is, huge. Is he, now he's full on, uh, is he a trooper? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm he's proud doing, of that kid. He is doing amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He is an I can't call him kid. a kid really anymore, can I? He's my kid. He I mean, kid. he's still a kid. He's only 22. Yeah. Yeah. He, my oldest just turned 22. Yeah. Him and Gabe are friends. I mean, yeah. Tanner's just, he's got it going on. He's figured it out. He's figured out what he wants life. He's had good mentors in his life that's and awesome. that's very important. Yeah. He's had good people speaking into his life and it helped him get to where he is today. Yeah. And so, well, I, I followed his journey in becoming a state trooper, um, on Facebook kind of, you know, as mm-hmm. much as anyone can. Mm-hmm. And even in there, you could see the work he was putting in. And I mean, and I know that that represents probably 1% of reality. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, really proud of him. Love that kid. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about Stephanie, the early years. So, oh, gosh, I knew, I know. I, I mean, there's so much I could say. So we got to be careful. No, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's why people are listening. They want to know the stuff that you don't want to talk I about. I know. I know. <laughs> so where were you? Where did you grow up as a kid? Like little, little Steffi. Little Stephanie. Well, okay, this is how this is how it goes. Um, my mom um, decided to have me. She was a single mom, and uh, she got pregnant, and she decided to go ahead and um, have me and be a single mom. I don't. I can't talk about the whole situation because I don't know both sides. Mm-hmm. But I just know my mom said I'm going to have her, and and I'm going to raise her and. You don't have to worry about anything to my so, father. So was the discussion uh, a difference between adoption or or keeping or abortion and, and keeping you? Or do you know? I know. Well, um, <clears throat> and if I, I mean, I can tell yeah, my story, too. It's yeah. <laughs> no, my mom decided to have me. She decided to have me and not do anything else. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I think the conversation with my father was uh, just, I'm going to have her, I'm going to keep her, and you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. So he, I, I believe he knew about me, but I, her, my mom's side of the story is that he wasn't in a good place. Mm-hmm. He went to Vietnam and he was older than her. And I just think he had some issues, according to her. And um, she just felt it was going to be better for her to do it herself. Mm-hmm. But technically, she really didn't raise raise me um I was raised by my granium papa Mm -hmm. and um my mom was there I don't want to say she wasn't there she was in my life but she was in and out Mm. and she pretty much was trying to figure out her life as a single mom how old was she when you were born 
like 19. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was just in and out of my life. She was there. We were all a close family, but my mom, I just have memories with my granny and papa. I don't really have a lot of memories with my mom as when I was little. Yeah. And so, um, but she was there for me. I, I don't want anybody to think that she wasn't. I mean, she took care of me, but then so did my granny. My granny picked me up every day after school. My mm-hmm. granny did everything. I remember my granny cooked dinner, pork chops and fried potatoes. You mm. know, that's, <laughs> I remember my granny and papa the whole time. Yeah. And then, and then my mom would pop in sometimes. And then one time I remember uh, we always went to church. I always went to church with my granny and, um, my mom would go to church sometimes. And, um, one time, I guess I said something bad at church and my mom took me to the, to the bathroom and got the bar of soap that everybody used in the bathroom and washed my mouth out with soap in the church bathroom. Okay. Time out. I remember my, um, my dad and my mom and without going to getting into the weeds, he adopted me, so we'll call him my stepdad. But because mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this up later. Well, I but, got that too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I remember them having an argument about putting alcohol in the thermometer, and and so to clean off the thermometer, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't remember who did what, but one of them poured it over, the mm-hmm. other one dipped it in, and the argument is, well, if you dip it in, it infects the whole thing, yeah. and it's like, but it's disinfected. That yeah. was the argument. It's yeah. funny. So that's where I, you know. If, yeah, they wash their hands with that soap, but it's soap. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> and it's gross. soap. It's gross. I, to me, today, I can't even imagine. I mean, did you ever get your mouth washed out with soap? I never I never got it uh, washed with soap. I got a uh, slap in the mouth when I, I said got the slap. words. I got slapped, too. I got switches, man. Do you yeah. remember the little skinny switches off? Did you have to pick them? Yes. Yeah. That's, go pick that's part of the torture. Because if you come back with like a little thing, like, no, no, no. Yeah. If yeah. you, and and I can see it now. I would if I ha- lived in the country and I could get a switch, I would say to the kids, "Bring me back a switch. If you don't pick good the first time, mm-hmm. I go pick." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got the skinny little ones, and those hurt the worst. Oh man, yeah, yeah. They hurt the worst. So anyway, so my mom was in and out of my life, and then um, you know I was the first grandchild, so I basically was like my grandparents' child. I believe. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm the favorite, but. Well, I don't want to upset they, my cousins or anything, sure. but, um, they don't listen to my podcast, but, but you know, it's, I mean, I was the first one there and I was pretty much, they were raising me cause my mom was just like sporadic. And so, um, but then my papa died when I was about eight mm. and I remember that phone call. I, I was at the house and granny called and said he didn't make it out of his surgery. He was having surgery. Mm. And so, Oh God, that was just so hard. And then, um, and then it was just me and my mom and my granny. We all lived in the same house. Gotcha. We we didn't have separate houses. I mean, my uncle lived next door to us. We lived on 24th in Portland. I mean, that's that's where hmm. we lived. That's where I grew up. And my uncle lived right next door. So I basically was always with my granny and my mom and then with my aunt and uncle. Um, and then my other uncle always, my uncle Mark always took me to church. And he, he was in a bad place in his life one time. And then he turned his life around and he started going to church and doing the children's program. And so he always made sure I was at church. And um, my uncle Mark, he did a lot for me also. So I, I pretty much was raised, I think, like by my family, you yeah. know, my mom's family, my granny and all that. And then when I was about 12 years old, that's when my mom married Pat and um, he became my father. He did adopt me. Mm-hmm. And so technically he is my father. And, right. you know, I don't have anything negative to say about him. It's just when you're 12 years old and your mom gets married and all of a sudden you become a family, it's like, okay, you know, we're all a family now. Right. And I was never, it's not like you're just close with him and you call him dad or anything. Right. You know, you just don't, it, for me, it wasn't like that. Like yeah. Tanner and Cole, it's a whole other story because Tanner was one years old when I met Cole. And so Tanner grew up with Cole being his father. And right. I always got along with Tanner's father. So Tanner has two great fathers and Tanner loves both of them equally. And I mean, I, I figured out that part. I did that part right with Tanner. Yeah. But for me, I was never close. I mean, Pat was a, a good father to me and he was a good person, but it's not like I felt like, oh gosh, you're my dad. I love you. And I want to hug you all the time or anything like that. Yeah. I was one of those. I didn't ever have a father Yeah, growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of the reason why I feel like I have maybe a little chip on my shoulder or 
a little hardness to me because, you know, I was never daddy's little girl. I, I don't know what that means. I don't know right. what it's like to have a nurturing, loving, caring father. Not that Pat wasn't that in my life no, at 12 years old, but you know, for your first few years of your life up until 12, you need, you need that father. And you know, I didn't really have that. Yeah. So, well, and your, and your, your grandfather was the closest thing to that. Yes. Right? Yes. And then he, he died at eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, cause this is kind of like therapy. We're going to back up. Okay. <laughs> I got all kinds of stuff, but yeah. Well, so here's the thing. So, um, quick question, your biological father, mm-hmm. you ever seen a picture? Yes. Okay. Did you, have you ever spoken with him? No. Okay. Now my mom, you know, like I said, I don't know the whole story. I don't sure. know what happened. Um, I never met him. He died when I was 16. My mom told me he passed mm. away when I was 16. So, okay. Then, but when at 21 or 20, 21, she wrote a letter to his family and told the family about me. Mm. And that's when I got to meet his mother and father, which were Oma and Opa. They wow. were from Germany. And, um, and then I met his sister. Wow. Yeah. So. How'd that go? Uh, it was, you were, wait, you were 21 when that happened? Mm-hmm, All right. Mm-hmm. So tell me how that. It was emotional. Sure. It was very emotional. And it's just, to me, it's just hard to have a relationship with people like that mm-hmm. at 20, 21, 22, when I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. I, I, you know, I don't even know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I think at that time, my mom and Pat had got a divorce at that time too. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, I don't know. It's not like you just go into a family and you're their family all of a sudden. I mean, they're very sweet people and they were very good people. And I feel like, you know, I do feel like my mom kind of took that from me Mm -hmm. because if I could have known them, if I could have grown up with them, um, you know, maybe my life would have been different or I just feel like I got to miss out on them. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very good people. I have, I mean, you know, I don't, I, they have passed away since, since then, mm-hmm. Oma and Opal, but my aunt, she's still, she's still alive and she's, I mean, she's super sweet and she's super nice and has a great family and all of it. Do you, but, do you keep in touch relatively? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will, I would talk to her and it's basically Facebook Yeah. now at this point. It's just, you know, our lives are super busy and it's just hard. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to get close with people that you don't see all the time and, and stuff like that. Well, I find it interesting because uh, if you've listened to many of them, you might know this, but I've never met my dad. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a picture of my dad and I learned his name when I was 21, mm-hmm. uh, 22, something like that. Um. <clears throat> Similar scenario, uh, everyone in my, not everyone, I don't know, you know how you get told the stories, like mm-hmm, you say, mm-hmm. but my mom was choosing between abortion and keeping me. That was the two options, I guess, on the mm-hmm. table for her. May, maybe not for her, but that's what family members were encouraging at different mm-hmm, points because mm-hmm. she was, she was not, she was 22. It wasn't mm-hmm. like she was a kid. I mean, that's still a kid, but you know what I'm saying? Um, but she was a single mom and this was the seventies, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm glad she kept me because mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't care. Like, why would if she didn't? I wouldn't know. So, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so well, I feel like I'm here for a reason. I feel Absolutely. like my mom made the choice yeah. to have me because I feel like she had the same choice as your mom. Yeah. And for whatever reason, she decided to to keep me and have me. And and I believe I've seen you know my purpose in my life mm-hmm. come come. Well, I and that's really the thing. I. I think all of us are, and I know you agree with this, I, that we're all here for a very specific purpose, right? But um, but what I find interesting is I uh, I went to a Green Shoe Retreat a while back, like uh, last March, mm-hmm. um, and it's a codependency thing. I didn't know what it was really, but I talked with a counselor and they're like, yeah, I think this would be good for you. Like, all right. I didn't have I didn't have a chemical addiction or anything like that. I had an, an addiction to work as a workaholic, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, still am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I'm all right with it. I mean, I've managed it. You're managing it, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I remember through that whole process, one of the things that's so interesting to me is um, coming out of it, it was it was the realization of how much not having my dad there affected me. Right. When you never know, mm-hmm. you can only assume, right? Right. And I, I remember speaking with a man who was handicapped. Um, it was such an interesting thing. I, I was, uh, I guess I was talking on, it wasn't a podcast, it was 2010, but I was live streaming and, and doing a talk. And he happened to have tuned in to this live stream. And 
my example I gave, and I don't remember what the context was, but I talked about how a person who is uh, born, for example, born blind, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily feel at a disadvantage because that's all they've ever known. Mm-hmm. A person who loses their sight, it's going to be different, right? Right. And so anyway, this guy who messaged me, he had, I, I don't know what his handicap was, but he's in a wheelchair and um, he, uh, you know, he, he couldn't move his arms a certain way or whatever. Super great guy, by the way. Um, but he, uh, he messaged me and he said, man, I've never heard anybody who's not disabled be able to describe that because he was born uh, with his disability. Mm-hmm. And so for him is normal life, you know? Right. And so I think that's what happens with, with folks like us. We, our normal life is not having a dad. Right. And so we assume, we think we've got it figured out. You know, for me, I, I feel like I have a little bit of an advantage over you in this because I began to really see the insight into what it means to have a father when I became a father. Mm-hmm. So I was always mm-hmm. looking at it like, well, it's probably like having a male version of a mom. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then as I became a father, I'm like, no, there's no, that's not the case. Right. And so, um, it is just an impossible thing to explain. I think, you know, and, and even if I did, I don't know that it would be the same for everybody, you right. know, right. but, but I say that to say this, I was on a podcast, uh, a few, I don't know, somebody else's a long time ago. Uh, but after that retreat, and the question came up, who is the most impactful person in my life? And without missing a beat, I said, my dad. Mm-hmm. And I said it because the reality is I've learned that the person who's truly had the most impact in my life is the absence of my father mm-hmm. and how it has shaped and way and like adjusted my trajectory in different ways, or maybe not trajectory, but, but perspective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you know. not having a father, you just have a little bit of rejection in you. You just yeah. have a little bit of like, I, man, I just think my dad would be so proud of me, would be so proud of who I am. Or I think that, you know, um, it's just, you just wonder in your head Mm -hmm. why your dad didn't want you or why your dad, you know, wasn't there. And it just kind of, I don't know, I, to me, I think it built up a little bit of wall in on my heart and, you know, just made me kind of be this tough person. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I would have characterized you I, I didn't know that till this podcast about your dad. But if someone were to say, what's Stephanie Matthews like? I would say she's self-reliant. She's confident. She's, you know, whatever. But I think that that self-reliance, I think that happens. And, and, and even doubly so, as you've described being raised by your family, um, when it's a group, you don't feel, you don't become as dependent, I think, because you realize that you're going to take your place in this group. And so you got to have your own part or whatever. Um, I think my growing up was a little different. My my mom's life was all about me, which basically mm. it's actually kind of weird for me to be able to not be so well, the way kids are when it's all about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I even thought it was wrong. Even at like six and seven, I'm like, this can't be real, yeah. you know? Um, but she would have arguments because, you know, from her perspective, I was the most important thing in her life. And so her marriages are, you know, were mm. never going to be good. Mm. Now she was married to my dad who adopted me for about 11 years. And, okay. and it was a pretty successful marriage. And I mean, up until it wasn't, I guess that's true of all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think when you look at some of that stuff, man, it's like, uh, we all are this product of what's happened. But when you find these, these things and, and you got to figure out, okay, are these, we can make these things, things that serve us, or we can make them things that hold us back. And then sometimes they do both. Cause I, I really think for me, and it's the same thing you said about, you know, you think they would be proud of you or whatever. Some of the most con- weird things for me is I've spent most of my life as a musician. I mean, I still am, I guess, but it's not my primary thing anymore. Um, and so I found out that my mom and dad met, um, he played, he was a traveling musician who played in a nightclub. Mm. Well, that's kind of, interesting Mm -hmm. given the fact that that's what I do Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. uh he was a guitar player which I cannot play guitar at all (laughs) (laughs) my son can play really well but I can't play um and so I you know it's I was always curious I remember my mom said do you want me to find him try to find him yeah and I said and again I was 20 21 I said well I feel like I'm pretty well adjusted and I don't know that you finding him would maybe not make that work. Like, I don't know what I would do. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'll tell you what, sure. But if you find him and he doesn't want to meet me, I don't even want to know you found him. 
And right. it speaks to that rejection. I've always felt like, I think most people would say that I'm a confident person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yes. but when, when you, that's a reality. I knew, you know, I knew how fragile that could be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't even think I want to know. And, you know, when you make a statement like that, now you, you're kind of stuck because you mm-hmm. feel like, I mean, that statement happened 22 years ago for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember talking to my mom recently and I said, did you ever find him? Of course, she doesn't even, she remembers, but she doesn't, she said, I don't think I could find him or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind mm-hmm. of flippant, but part of me is like, are you lying to me now? Because of what I said back then, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, I found him. He just wanted nothing to do with you. And yeah. and so it's a little awkward when you, when you do stuff like that, but but man, it does have an impact. And so as you, you know, I see some of the similarities in my approach to life and I see them in you and I'm wondering how much of that is the residual, mm-hmm. you know, of not having a dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at Cole and I just, you know, Cole is such a good father and I mean, I just think he's such a good guy all around and I'm just, I'm happy my kids have that. I'm, I'm just so happy that they have that for him because, yeah. you know, I, I never had that. So, um. One well, and even meeting your other family. Um, so when I was six, my mom was pregnant again, but she was still single mm-hmm. and she gave that baby up for adoption. Yeah. So. Well, I got an email one day about five years ago, six years ago, and um, a private investigator had con- found me because um, I had a half brother. Oh, wow. The in mom's side or dad's side, my father. Okay, my father. It was he had a um, he had a son and he was um, a marine biologist in the south of France and he was trying to <laughs> wow. find me. He was trying to find a, a sibling hmm. because he had uh, lymphoma, T cell, hmm. something uh, like he needed his um, his life was on the line. So he was trying to find a full sibling. So wow. I get this huge email. I have it. I have this huge email from him and he's like, I'm hope I'm not upsetting you. I hope this, I hope you understand. And he was adopted and he could not find his birth mother at all. I guess she used a fake name and he was from California and he had siblings and they were all adopted and he had a great life. He was telling me they had a great life and all this stuff, but he was, <clears throat> I don't want to say he was in his fifties or maybe late forties and he had two small children and his life was on the line. And he was like, can you help me find a, a sibling or wow. you, do you know if me and you have the same mom? And I knew we didn't have the same mom. And I, at first I thought it was a scam. Cause I was like, Oh, right. this guy is trying to get me for something. But then no, it was true. I mean, it was all true. And he, um, he get, he, I couldn't help him because I wasn't a full sibling. Mm-hmm. I had to be a full sibling or, I was like, I will help you. I will come over there. I said, you can have whatever from me. Well, he's in the south of France. I know. Uh, it's like, I'll come over there. You, I mean, you you just send me a ticket. I'll hang out. Yeah, but I, I mean, I was like, I wanted to help save his life, yeah. but I couldn't because he said, since I wasn't a full sibling, it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't, it, I would just be like anybody else. Gotcha. I had to be a full sibling. And, and I'm just curious if I have any other half siblings or anything that I don't know about. Right, well- it stands to reason, right? If that's how I am, I'm like, there's no question I have half siblings. I mean, I shouldn't say there's no question, but I'm like, okay, dude, yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. It was the 70s, a traveling musician. Yeah. I got hundreds of brothers <laughs> and sisters. <laughs> but the sister that my mom gave up for adoption found us in 2008. Mm-hmm. And man, talk about it, just a weird thing. And I've, I've talked about it on other podcasts, I'm sure. But, but I think that's the thing. It's so interesting. I, I do relate to you you know, meeting them, it's like real emotional. You're not sure how mm-hmm. to respond. Now I mm-hmm. love my sister and we've grown in a relationship. I mean, it's been 12 years, yeah, you know, that's good. 13, whatever it's been. Um, and so it's just like, now it's kind of settled into what I think is normal for brothers and sisters. And I say, I think, cause I just look at my, my sister or my wife's brother and mm-hmm. you know, they talk about their mom and dad's birthdays and anniversaries. That's yeah. <laughs> they don't call each other and go, Hey sis, what's up? Um, and so my sister and I are kind of in that boat I and mean, we, we talk, you know, every once in a while, but, um, we're both just living life and busy and stuff, but, yeah. um, and she lives in Florida. She mm-hmm. originally was in New York. So, um, anyway, um, but I don't know. I think all that's just kind of interesting. And I also think this story is far more common because mm-hmm. people don't talk about it. Right. 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 I mean, even in that, like I didn't know any of this stuff about you and I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't talk about it. And I think these are the kind of things that people can really, um, glean from mm-hmm. is if nothing else, knowing you're not alone. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because man, that's the thing. Just, 
I believe that people above all things want to be understood. Mm -hmm. And you can't be understood if you feel alone. You're not understood. You're just out there. But when you really feel understood and and like that people really know who you are, Mm -hmm. um, there's a security in that. Right. You know, I just want people to know that, you know, I have I came from some dysfunction. I have dysfunction. And but I'm working through it every day. I'm working through the issues and the problems that I have. I mean, my family, you know, me and Cole are are good, but it's like my whole family dynamics. There's a lot there. There's a whole lot stuff going on there. But, you know, I just look at it as like I'm going to step up. I'm going to go. I'm going to do this, you know, and I'm going to try to do the best that I can. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so um I'm going to fast forward a little bit um, because we've spent a lot of time in your childhood. It's very interesting to me. Um, So when um, did you go to college? No. Well, I went to OCCC for a little bit. I after I graduated, I I moved out immediately. I lived on my own. Well, not on my own. I found a roommate. I had some roommates and stuff and. I went to OCCC and I worked at a bank and I was just trying to figure out life. I didn't know what right. I was going to do. So then I easily started just working full time at the bank because I started making more money and I kind of quit college. But I did go to OCCC for like a couple of years. Yeah. You know? And that happens so often too. People yeah. gets like, why am I going to keep paying to when I don't even know really what I want to do right. <laughs> when I'm doing a thing right now? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have, my parents weren't pushing me to go to college. They weren't pushing me in any direction, really. I just was like, I've got to figure out this life. I've got to figure out, i got to make money. i got to you know, figure stuff out. You right. know, I wish I would have went to college. I think it, that's that's always good. But, you know, I just started working full time at the bank and that's what I was doing. I, w- I, I only wish I would have gone to college for the cultural environment. Not for the education. I, yeah. I'm convinced that you can get a better education intentionally on your own. Well, I feel like you can you can work. You don't have to have a degree to be a good employee no. employee or a successful person. I would argue I mean, that sometimes getting a degree makes you a crappy employee mm-hmm. because entitlements attached to that little document. Right, right, right. So, so I believe there. You know, college is good for some. It's not for everybody. But if you want to make it in life, you can. And it doesn't mean you don't have to have a piece of paper that says you have a degree to do that. So if you were to break down percentages of people you know that you would say are successful Mm -hmm. and you said, okay, this percentage of them went to school and and that has a direct result on their being successful, what would you say that percentage would be? It's probably half and half of the people in my life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, honestly, if every... The, some of the people I'm thinking if they have a degree or not, but I think it's probably half and half. Yeah. In my life, I I actually only know two people that went to school that's doing their degree and, oh. and that's good. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. more power. To, again, I think there are certain things you, you just need to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, engineering, mm-hmm. architecture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doctors. doctors, lawyers, <laughs> the standards, yeah. right? Yeah. But you know, it's, I tell people this all the time, especially I think that millennial generation, and I've talked about this before on different shows, but like, man, they just, they feel like they want to make an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Their role models are YouTubers that are just regular people who mm-hmm. happen to have gotten a lot of subscribers. Mm-hmm. That's an unrealistic thing Yeah, because they say, this is the problem with that is that they're regular people. <laughs> so they're right. like, well, if this regular person can do this, why can't I? Yeah. Well, I don't know, but you're not. Yeah, it's hard. It is. It's work. It's called work. Exactly. I can't fully explain it, but you know, here it is. There's a lot of things involved in all that. I don't understand all that either, but I know people are doing it. I know people are making money. So, well, and I think the thing is this, I mean, most people on this planet, we want to make an impact. We want to, to have a legacy of some sort. Uh, there's a line from a Macklemore song and I'm not a big, you know, I don't celebrate his whole collection. Right, right. <laughs> but I, I love this line in a song where he says, uh, um, they say you die twice. It's uh, glorious, I think, the song. Once, uh, you know, when you die, mm-hmm. and then the second time you die is the last time somebody mentions your name. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, that's really intriguing, this mm-hmm. idea, because, you know, you figure, like my grandma passed away a few years back, and... I still think of her and talk about her, mm-hmm. but you know, my, my grandkids will not. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's on down the road. I don't have grandkids yet, mm-hmm. but when I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, ah, oh, that's a really interesting idea. So people want to have this impact. They want to live on, so to speak. And, uh, we all try to find ways of doing it, but man, uh, you know, 
I'm convinced that, uh, and I've got some stories to back it up that I'll save for other podcasts, but I am convinced that the biggest impact that we make in people's life, we usually don't know about it. Right. You know, we've done something that we didn't know and it's turned into something massive somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I look at, you know, 50 regular listeners on the conversations podcast or something. And I'm like, uh, it's, you know, it's 50. I love the 50 that are there. And I think, well, is, is it making an impact? I don't know. Right. But, but I don't look at, I'm not trying to get massive numbers. Right. Because if, if you and I having a conversation, um, one person listens and it, and it adjusts their perspective, their, their whole paradigm shifts because they hear something and relate to something and feel understood or not alone, mm-hmm. man, mission accomplished. That's right. And that is really easy to obtain mm-hmm. affecting one person's life. And I know we're going to affect a lot more than one, right? But it's really worth it for just one. I agree. And that's agree. really the, you know, for the whole stream grace network, that's one of the things I, I talked to all the podcasters about. If you're in this to make a name for yourself, then we're not your network. Right. Um, but if you're in this to, to help people mm-hmm. and and you help just one and it's worth it to you, then we're absolutely your network. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so you uh, um, are real estate. You do real estate now, right? Mm-hmm. So when did that happen? When did you leave the bank and go do real estate? Well, I, um, I worked at the bank for eight years and then I went to sales, like an office supply sale company. And I did really well there. I was on, I was on phone sales, and so I did that. And then I went to outside sales, and um, then it was just it was just a different environment. And uh, Tanya at church, mm-hmm. um, I met her at church, and I just was like, I walked up to her and I was like, I'm going to become a realtor. And she was like, Okay, <laughs> you know how she is. Yeah. And so um, I just it, you know I was just praying about it, and I just did it. Yeah. I didn't have. I didn't research it. I didn't do anything. I'm just one of those people like, okay, I'm going to do it. Let's go. And I did. And so I've been selling real estate for about 15 years Yeah. and it's crazy. I mean, you get some crazy stories, um, from, from selling real estate, but it's, it's enjoyable. Um, I really like it. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's something new all the time. So yeah. it's never the same. So what's your favorite part? Well, I love just helping people. Uh, I love help helping them sell their home or find them a new home. And then I like, you know, keeping in touch with them and building relationships. And it's just, um, I just like the people really. Yeah. You know, Tanya helped me buy this house. Yes, she did. Mm -hmm. I remember that's fun. Yeah. She's amazing. Tanya is someone that everybody loves and I love her. I love her so much. And she's just been such a, a big, she's made a big impact in my life. And I'm just so thankful God put her in my life. Yeah. Her and Ron both are just like, they're selfless people. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, awesome people. Ron, yeah. Tanya Hewlett, props to you guys. Yes, if you you're guys listening. are awesome. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Tanya. So when did you meet Cole? Cole, we met on a blind date. Ooh. So it Prior was, to apps, right? Yes. So these yeah. are setups. Yeah, 21, 21 years ago, I was, um, well, I need to back up a little bit. You know, I got pregnant with Tanner's dad and I tried to work it out with Tanner's dad. Um, I thought I was going to marry him, but we decided not to do that. So, um, I came, I came back home. I lived in Delaware for a short time with Tanner's dad. He was in the Marine Corps. That's Mm -hmm. why. And then we moved to San Antonio and then it didn't work out. And so I moved here. Um, I, uh, moved back to Norman and I got myself a little condo and it was just me and Tanner. And I was happy. I was happy as a single mom. I wasn't worried about trying to find a guy or anything like that. And then all my friends, you know, wanted to set me up on a date. So I went on some blind dates and they were horrible. Every <laughs> single one of them were horrible blind dates. Wow. I mean, horrible. And then uh, my one friend was like, well, you got to meet her boyfriend was like, well, she needs to meet Cole because Cole had kids and I had Tanner. So mm. they thought we needed to be together because we were the ones that had kids and nobody else. <laughs> and so, um, so we got set up on a blind date and, uh, we, I went and met him and it, it went super fast after that. Fireworks, man. Fireworks. Look, Cole is an attractive dude. Yeah. That's yeah. the bottom line. He's a male model. <laughs> I mean, he's got good hair. He's got amazing hair. Yes. Yes. I mean, 
And he's a good person. He has a good exactly. heart. He has a good heart. He really, and you know, because obviously I would see him a lot running up and down. He's a big mm-hmm. runner. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's, you know, I'd honk or wave or flash my lights. I, anyway, <laughs> I love, I love Cole, man. Yeah. And, and like you said, his heart is just, is as, just as big He had as, good parents. He has oh. a good family and he is just a good, good, good guy. Yeah. And he had, you know, he had a rough start. He got his. Um, he was married and divorced and, you know, he got his um, ex-wife pregnant when they were young and they were starting out and they didn't know what they were doing. And I'm sure it was hard. Well, I know it was hard. I know Cole yeah. worked like three jobs or four jobs. You know, he was like a bus driver and a Coors truck driver and a carpet cleaner. And yeah. I think he just did whatever he had to do to make it. Right. And so um, he d- he knows how to work hard. Yeah. And he's not going to, he's going to be successful at whatever he does, whatever he puts his mind to. And so what we met, you know, his kids were about seven and eight and Tanner was about one and a half, almost two. And, uh, we got set up on a blind date. It went, it went super fast. We got married in Vegas in six months. Rock and roll. Like yeah, that's it. I know. Little Chapel of the Flowers. And I was just like, <laughs> when I was walking down the aisle, I was so nervous. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> But I know it was meant to be because when we got there the night before our wedding, Cole won $4,500 on the slot machine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was meant to be. I was like, yes. You were just excited to spend that 4500 <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, all right, I can go shopping now. That's so funny. So 21 years. Is that what you said? We have been together 21 years this year. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I know. Man. It's been up and down, but you know, you just keep on. Right. You keep on forgiving. He keeps he keeps asking me to have patience and and I keep trying and so it's we, all him you don't do anything wrong right oh no I do I am the wrong one and he is the right one no oh, I'll admit man. it I am not the best but he is he tries really hard yeah so so what what was your uh, when you guys got married what was your big like uh, I can't believe he does that or whatever well hmm. I don't remember. It was just hard at first because when you get married and you have an ex-wife and I had an ex and Mm. you're blending families together and you're doing all that, I just remember it being a little rough at first and uh, working through some issues and um, now... You know, we're, we're all good. Everybody's yeah. all good. We're all happy. We're all friends. Every- Everybody's all grown up now. Yeah, we're all grown yeah. up. We, we've got it worked out. And um, Was it difficult? I mean, I'm sure it was, but talk a little bit about the process of like disciplining kids. I mean, um, was there a separation like these are, was there ever that moment like, hey, this is my son or this is, you know, for him, this is my son, this is my daughter. Like, I'm sure with... Um, the older two, it was more like that. But with Tanner, with him being so young, it was always, I yeah. I let Cole have the full reins with Tanner, and Tanner uh, respected that and accepted it because he was That's so all little. He knew, right. It's all he knew. So the older kids, yes, it was different. It was different to discipline them and 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 work through those issues. But but they didn't really. Li- his two didn't live with us. They just came on the every other weekend. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So it really. You know, I didn't have to deal with it, really. Yeah. I mean, of course, I had to deal with issues and problems and stuff sometimes, but I didn't have to discipline on a daily basis, which it made it it made it made easier. Yeah, imagine. Because I would just think by default, you become the wicked stepmother. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure I was. I'm sure I was. <laughs> I, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's ran across their minds and stuff. But, you know, you just work through it. You yeah. just work through everything. And hopefully now it's, it's all good. I feel like we're all good. We're all happy. And, and um, we have, we have grandkids. Um, you know, we have two little girls, um, mm-hmm. and one a little boy on the way. Wow. I know. Well, congratulations know. on that. I know it's crazy. What did you do the, when you found out, were you uh, about being a grandma? Like what, how, what was your actual emotional state? Was it, I, I don't know. It was just exciting. I mean, I was happy. I mean, I was so just So did happy. you think in your mind, okay, I'm excited to have grandkids, but I'm not excited to be called grandma? Right. I was not going to be called grandma whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't going to be granny or grandma. I was like, we are going to come up with a different name. And I'm Lolly and Pops. We're Lolly and Pops. Wow. So, yeah. Lollipops. Yeah, Lollipops. Well, that's just cute. Lolly and Pops. So. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't handle the grandma name. You know what I've decided? If if right now, if if either one of my boys uh, that are capable decided to tell me that I was 
mm-hmm. going to be a grandfather mm-hmm. uh, after chastising them for having not been married yet. Right. Um, I would insist on that child referring to me as Mr. Griffin. <laughs> no. Right now. No. Right now. Now, by the time that child became two or three, maybe different, but um, but I don't want to be Papa. Yeah. I don't, I'm not ready for that. I'm, right. I don't know. It's weird. I'm not, I've never been one that worries about getting older. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't mind. I'm going to be 45 in July. I don't care. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think I want to be a grandpa. That's I like, know. It's weird. It's a head game, but you get over it. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I, you know, I'm getting old too. And I'm just like, well, it, it's just, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it is the natural step, natural order of things, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So I'll be, I figure if I can go with Mr. Griffin, they're just some kid. No, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you're going to have to come up with something. I did. Mr. Griffin. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work for me. All right. Well, I'll just keep him away from you then. <laughs> no, I'll call you. I'll call you grandpa. You'll just do it. I I'll know. just call you grandpa. Just figures. Well, man, I'm excited about you guys doing doing a podcast. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's going to be fun. Lori is, you know, I uh, we went to high school together and one time, you know, she got this brand new car. She got a brand new Beretta, I think. Mm. And so I would get dropped off at her house because I didn't have a car and um, I'd get dropped off at her house and we would ride to school together. And one time we were going down Shields Boulevard. It was over there off Shields 44th and Shields, maybe I can't remember the exact, but we were going down Shields and she was like, she always had extra bubble gum. She always had that. <laughs> and so she was like, I got to run in here and get some gum. So, and she's like, I'm going to make this light. Cause of course we're always running late. So she literally flies into this gas station, runs in, buys herself some gum, runs back out and we make the light. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. I know. That's crazy. Yeah. So you guys have been friends a long time. You did the reconnect. We talked about that on her podcast too. And um, I don't know. It's neat. It just, I think the dynamic's going to be good too. Mm-hmm. Just in, in talking with both of you, I think it'll be really nice. Um, you know, I talked to her and, and I said, you know, I feel like, it, and there may be a little bit of this even with you, but eh, not really to the same degree. But I think um, it'll be neat when you guys have other people on too and just yeah. talking to other guests mm-hmm. and, um, I don't know. It's going to be cool. I'm excited for it. You guys are going to be able to check out that podcast on the Stream Grace Network. It's uh, streamgrace.com to find it. Or you can search for Better Together with either Lori and Stephanie or Stephanie and Lori, whatever I end up putting on the branding. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Steph, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. I hope it was fun for you. It was. It was I, great. I hope it was fun for all of you guys listening in. The voyeurs that are my listeners as they hear us talk and visit. Hey, If you guys want to find more podcasts like this, again, shameless plug, streamgrace.com, and you can find all sorts of new stuff. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.